Women can be two things, who they are and what they want. Hello and welcome to our Women in Powerful Places series. I am your host, Pip Ray. In this series, we are speaking to the women who have stepped into the spotlight to represent their local communities at a local, state and national level. A space that has been identified as both dangerous and soul-destroying, given that women are more likely to be targets of humiliation, threats or harassment because they are a woman. Each of our guests talk openly about their past experiences, decisions to be a public representative and their goals during their term. In this episode, I am speaking with Linda Seymour, an independent candidate endorsed by We Are Hughes. Now, I met Linda on International Women's Day 2022 at Cronulla Surf Club, where Michelle Ford, an Australian Olympic swimmer who won gold at the infamous 1980 Summer Olympics in Moscow, and a highly regarded international sports consultant, spoke about the challenges women have faced and continue to face when championing for change. I had the pleasure of sitting next to Linda, who had only recently decided to run as an independent in the anticipated federal election. But together with other residents who hold concerns for the priorities of Hughes, has been active in being a representative that elevates the community voice. I really enjoyed talking with Linda and hearing about the legacy she wants to create. Today, we have Linda Seymour, who is up for the federal seat of Hughes. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Pip. Thanks for having me. Now, we want to get to know you a little bit better today. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and why you thought it would be a good idea to run for government? (laughs) Why is it a good idea to run for government? Yes, is that something I'd recommend to everybody? Not necessarily. Uh, First of all, you know, I'm running as an independent in this seat and, and I... And very serious about being an independent, I, which makes me be able to speak with anyone. But a bit about myself, I grew up in Lilypilly. Uh, you know, dad had a trade, had a business, very sort of typical of many people in this area. I went to, you know, little fibro home, which has probably been knocked down now. I uh, went to the local public schools. I went to TAFE and did architectural drafting. I was the only girl I then went to London with the idea of a gap year and coming back and doing architecture, but I had the good fortune of training in very high-end architectural technology where I won several international awards for my work. I came home, I worked uh, with a major development company on on big public builds. I then um, ended up getting a bit of a name for myself working on Olympics and subsequently worked on Olympics all over the world in in my own business. So I've had my own business for over 25 years and um, I've loved my career. And um, I have two beautiful daughters and a husband and I live very happily in Bonnet Bay. So the second part of that question was why (laughs) federal government then? So why on earth have I um, changed track? Why federal government? Okay, so let me explain Hughes to you first. So Hughes runs from um, Bundina, from Grays Point, down to Waterfall and out to the eastern side of Liverpool, so out to Moorbank, includes Moorbank at Polesworthy in Hammondville. The way we've been represented has frustrated people across the board. Now, our local member 
last year in 2020 switched from his party. He was voted in as a Liberal member and he subsequently moved to become an independent. He then, he is now the leader of the United Australia Party. So it's Craig Kelly. Now the United Australia Party achieved, I think something like 2.4% of the vote in our electorate and he is now our voice in parliament. Now, but prior to that, um, there was a frustration across the board. And that what that frustration was felt equally by Liberal voter, Labor voters, Greens voters. And I thought, well, this is this is ridiculous. You know, we have to be able to do something better. So initially I was very focused on our local member. So he was the, the catalyst, or he was, but the ongoing motivation became about genuine representation. And what that looks like and what that actually feels like, because genuine representation means you get one seat out of 151 seats across Australia. So you should have a voice with that one seat. So how do you do that? Does that look like a party position or does that look like your own voice? So I started exploring, you know, the idea of a good independent. So in order to do that, myself and other like-minded people formed this terrific community group called We Are Hughes. And it wasn't built on being left, right, progressive, conservative. We ditched the labels because I think those labels are like people asking to tick, pick a, a personal team. So we got rid of all labels and we just spoke about issues and went out and we spoke to people about what they wanted. The first question we would ask people is, what do you like about living here? Invariably, that would be the natural environment. Now, keep in mind, this we were doing this over COVID as well, and COVID shifted people's appreciation of their local environment. Um, so people became very aware of walking within a five-kilometre radius, for example. So there was a whole appreciation about where we lived. So natural environment featured very high. Keep in mind, again, that we have the Royal National Park and Heathcote National Park and the Holsworthy military area in our um, electorate, which gives us this magnificent green belt. We then asked people what they wanted from a representative uh, that was someone who was authentic, genuine, lived here, um, and someone who would really listen to their constituents. And the third part of the question was, what would people what are, the, what are the issues that, that people care about? And the, the, the big, two big issues were climate change and integrity. So, you oh. know, which was great. That reflected me and reflected the people. And I thought, we're not mad here. We're not bonkers. We all care about the same things. So me personally, I put integrity, donation reform, taking money out of politics. I put that right up the top because I feel if we fix that, we mm. fix a lot of the other things that come underneath that umbrella. So yeah. anyway, now, then I, we, yeah, look for a candidate and lo and behold, it's me. <laughs> so we spoke to some really amazing people along the way. Yeah. So who is it that you're wanting to represent and, and help in your role? The, the people in Hughes and, 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 you know, we're not carbon copies of each other. We have very different life pressures. Um, it's interesting when people say you speak about uh, climate change, oh, the young people are very concerned. Young people are concerned, but when you ask them what they care about, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing a massive generalisation here, of course, hmm. all different, but uh, by and large, the, the issues when we speak with younger generation, of course, are, are housing affordability, 
things like university fees. They care very much about homelessness and they relate to people on very much on an individual level rather than a societal or global level. And again, to any young person, or when I say young person, a younger, a younger age voter, I apologise for generalising, and I accept that everybody has very different viewpoints. But this was this was this was by and large how uh, younger voters were um, were answering. Conversely, grandparents are singularly the most passionate, brought to tears about climate change. This idea mm. of curling up your toes and leaving this mortal coil to your grandchildren in a state of disrepair, I think, and, and fear that we've gone past a tipping point and, you know, leaving the world to their grandchildren without doing everything they can to fix it. So representing Hughes means understanding the pressures of, of people across the gamut, and that's people who are on a we're on a pension, self-funded retirees, young people seeking to get into the housing market, and people who require social housing. And of course, at the same time, there are there are businesses, there are casual employees. I mean, we are all at once many different things. You know, mm. as a mum, I think of my kids. As a small business owner, I look at what I've gone through in in my world. So, I, I relate on many different levels, but I'm a very small section of society. So it's incumbent on me to listen to the pressures of everybody else that I speak with. And um, I really like people. So I'm in a good position here. And uh, it's um, it's a real honour and a privilege when people share their stories with you and feel that they trust you enough to share their stories with you. That's um, That's an extraordinary privilege. And each one of those stories you must listen to and learn from. Like yesterday, I had a, a you know another two extraordinary conversations. Like I obviously won't share them with you, but they're they're really enlightening. And if you're if you have empathy, that makes you, you know, I I believe that gives you a better ability to um, to represent people. Yeah, and and what do you find that those um, when you get right down to the core of those issues that they're talking about? What is it? that is so co the common thread to all of those conversations? The common thread is representation. So that could be, so let's, let's talk about on an individual basis. You might hear of somebody who is having a hard time with Centrelink, for example, or NDIS and, and feeling like they're jumping through constant hoops and wanting to be listened to by their member, for example, they might raise that. And then when they don't have a voice or they feel, or you know, anyone feels sort of dehumanized, for example, through a, a process of a plot going through an application for funding that they're entitled to and, and deserve, there's that dehumanizing detachment. Likewise, if we go to the other extent of a political landscape where we're looking at a federal integrity commission or action on climate change, or um, people again feel a little bit voiceless. Like we're, we're telling you things, we need help. Um, we really want you to do, why aren't you listening to us? It seems that somebody else has your voice and not us. So there's almost a feeling that people feel detached from the process. And even though I'm a candidate, I'm not elected, it's like, oh, thank goodness, someone to talk to. And it's like it's like a floodgate. People say, well, let me tell you all these things that I want to say. And, and 
I have no idea most of the time whether these people have voted Liberal or Labor. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant yeah. when it gets down to the issues. So you've really stepped into a leadership role. Um, did, you, did you have any idea that that would be what it looks like or the impact that it was going to have? Well, because we've been working with We Are Hughes um, for such a long time, talking to people, and people do open up, um, we, we understood that people would share quite sort of intimate details for you when they were looking at a political landscape. But the thing that happens when you become a candidate and you're a real potential is people go, oh, okay, I can picture that. I know what you're doing now. Whereas We Are Hughes was more conceptual about, hey, look, we want to do something great as a community. So people would talk to you. But of course, people, we're all used to what a candidate looks like. We're used to an election. So it just sort of ups it a notch. And um, there's just more people talking. But yeah. because I had that with was used to that groundwork of we are Hughes and talking to people and asking about what they wanted. It's the same sort of thing, but uh, it's just been up and notched. But because we can tell people that we've come from this grassroots organisation, they pick up on there's a, a real sort of genuine aspect about it. And look, I mean, you can probably tell from this interview, I'm a talker. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I do, I would equally, I would listen as well if you, if you had the floor. But um, I do, I do like people. Um, well, we are we are here to learn about you today, so I, I appreciate you, you know, <laughs> filling in the space for that. Um, and I can only imagine that there has been a number of challenges along the way. What's your, been your biggest one so far? My biggest one so far? Um, um, <laughs> negative online campaigning is, I found that very disappointing, um, disinformation. And, and it's only, look, it's only through, I think it's only a few people that have, that are really, it, it's very disappointing, is that what, it, is, is what I would say. Um, yes, trolling is particularly, it, it doesn't get under my skin too much, I can roll my eyes, but I think, you know, really, come on, we're here to try, try and change a political landscape. And when you see people playing those games, you think, mm -hmm. just give it a rest you know, give it a rest. This is what we yeah. want to change. So I really want, and you know what resonates with people, is when you say we want dignified politics because it's been such a, honestly, it's been like schoolyards. Everyone that says, you know, I watched Question Time and I can't believe it. It's like, it, it, is, it is almost a childish endeavour. So when you get to this point, by and large, it's been very good. I've actually had an enjoyable time, believe it or not. But, you know, um, little, little online snipey bits, you just think, oh, really? Anyway, it's, it's, it's an annoyance yeah. rather than anything. But the good thing is the people around me are so wonderful and there is so much genuine um, values in our group and positive energy without sounding too, <laughs> too trite. But it's like a force field yeah. around you. It really keeps you protected. And um, myself and the people that do surround me are adamant about not doing um, that kind of toxic politics, if you like. So they keep me, they keep me um, very buoyant. Well, it certainly does say a lot more about them than you. 
that's what uh, I've always believed. So, um, and, and then there's lots of stuff that you can do in that sort of space, especially the e-safety um, commissioner, like they, they look after a lot of the, all of the online in Australia. You've got, um, you know, a lot of organisations that you can reach out to as well if you are being experiencing that trolling. But I know that as, as a person in the spotlight, having a media profile, having to have um, a high sort of, you know, visibility, uh, especially online would make it um, very difficult and also make you a target. So, yeah. and, you know, protective behaviours are really important. So keeping those people close and letting them protect you is really good. Yeah. I did want to ask you, though, um, 20 years ago, did you think that you would be doing this for your uh, local area? No. <laughs> Short answer. <laughs> Short answer, no. 20 years ago, I had a one-year-old daughter. I was uh, working, juggling, you know, childcare and, uh, you know, all those responsibilities of being a parent. I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I think at that stage, I was trying to work out which childcare or which, which place I was trying to drop them at so in order for me to do my work. Uh, no. And in fact, I, uh, I was, you know, highly engaged politically when I was young and I remember a very good friend of mine retained that political stance but I quite frankly I was too busy like, like a lot of people and she would call me up and she would say oh did you see blah 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 and I would say no I've got mastitis or something you know <laughs> I, was, I was far too busy and and of course um working on my career and, yeah. and my family and you know just like squeezing all the good bits in the middle so no this was the furthest thing from my mind if somebody said look ahead 20 years will you be wearing a t-shirt with your own name on it will your husband <laughs> be wearing a t-shirt with your name on it and people you don't know I just said yeah that's very funny <laughs> so no but so, I would say I'm thrilled to be in this position <laughs> yeah it's um it's I mean it's an amazing achievement and to be able to, to, you know, ground source all those people that are going to be supporting you. So what does, if you do get elected, what does that next term look like for you? The what are you hoping three, to achieve? Well, the next three years, I, I'll tell you what, I'd like to restore some respect to our electorate. Now, I, there is a sense out there that we have been, in, in the way that we have been represented, represented is not reflective of who we are. And I would like to really be bring a sense of pride back to our electorate and showcase who we are, because we are not how we've been represented. And I would I would love to be able to show us off. I mean, we are we are a big, beautiful electorate. Mm. Um, so that's one part of it is restoring a bit of dignity and respect. That's that's on a local level. But broadly, I would like to be able to conduct myself that way in Parliament as well. And as we know, uh, women have not been treated particularly well within Parliament. So I would um, like to be there as a woman who has worked, you know, has had a professional career and has, you know, um, had to bat off a few dubious <laughs> things in my own career. I would like to um, represent us very respectfully and in some way bring a bit of that respect to the whole sort of federal landscape. Uh, more importantly, I guess I would like to be able to work very constructively with, with, with whichever side forms government and mm. um, be a, a good voice for our electorate. And I am running on a platform of integrity and I'm running on a platform of, of getting you know, money out of politics because I have a real 
real issue with that. Um, and I would like to bring change to those, those two. And if I was given an opportunity to sit on any, you know, sort of housing or development sort of panels, I would, I would really welcome that as well, given my background in architecture. Would yeah, be, uh, I'm yeah. sure you could make it a little bit more efficient and a bit more green yes. in, the, in yes. this space. That's, that's what I would hope. I would bring a, I would bring a different a different voice and a different level of experience to Parliament. I think we're, we are lacking uh, diversity, not just in gender, we're lacking diversity in, in, our, um, in our lived experience as well. Yeah. Uh, and, you and, touched of course, and of course, culturally and multiculturally as well, we're also missing diversity. Yeah, definitely. Now, you did touch on the way that women are treated. Mm-hmm. How is it, How do you manage confrontations like that? Like if something's awkward, uncomfortable, um, disappointing, like what, what does it look like for Linda Seymour <laughs> when, she's, when she's given, she, she's engaged in that sort of um, banter or conversation? Okay, well, I am, I'm 54 years old. And like I said, my, my first bit of education, I was the only girl, um, female in the course. I have had various experience, experiences throughout the way, and I've dealt with different levels of, of government and um, levels of, of company structures as well. And I've had my fair share of, um, sadly, and I wish I hadn't, um, um, let's, let's call them tricky situations based around my gender, my sex. And initially I I think I cowered, but now I just deal with things head on. Mm. I call it out. I call behaviour out. But so I say that, but I know that everybody can't mm. or or that's not how I expect everybody else to be able to deal with it. I wouldn't say, look, hey everyone, you have to call it out because that's not how everybody is. Women should not be put in that situation in the first place. And women should know that there is support systems for other people to call it out on their behalf if they need it. Uh, We shouldn't all have to become champions of the fight. There shouldn't be a fight in the first place. Um, And, you know, and of course that's not every workplace, but if women do feel uncomfortable or feel that they are in a situation that needs calling out, they should have that support. Um, You know, if if they have the ability to call it out themselves, great. That is what I do now. Um, But I would would call it out and I would also hope that there was a place to report it. Mm. So, I mean, in my experience in workplaces, there are good workplaces and there are not so good. And I think the one that the massive job that I'm applying for it, uh, it can do better, put it that way. <laughs> I, I feel that you will roll out the red carpet for that. <laughs> yes, I will. I, I, look, let's put it this way. I'm not a shrinking violet. And uh, it's That's right. Because I talk, about, I talk about dignity and being nice and, and respect and kindness, and sometimes people see that, like to call that as a weakness, and uh, it's mm. not. Having integrity and being kind and having a value system, it is a strength. It is not yes. something that makes you a pushover. When you feel strongly about um, things that are right, you, you work hard for those things. You don't say, oh, well, things become too, everyone's a bit nasty. I'm going away now. I'll say, well, you know, I'm going to stick around and do the right thing. Thanks very much. And surprise, surprise, it was a strength all along. Yeah. 
that, oh, that's fantastic. I love that. And you are, that is inspirational for other women to know that they've got you in their corner and, you know, there's all that um, uh, backup there available to them. Yeah, well, I, I, will be, I will be in every one woman's corner because there's been a lot of women in my corner. And I will say there's been a lot of men in my corner as well. I mean, my dad, mm-hmm. he's always had my backing, although I must say I told my dad a story recently about something that happened to me when I was younger that I that I won't share online, but I'll just give you the essence. And I had never told my dad this story because it was something I kept to myself. And I think now if it was my daughter, she would have told me straight away and would have told my husband her dad. But when I told my dad, you know, he he welled up and he said, I had no idea. And and I would I will just I will just say to your listeners that this was nothing that you need to worry about but it was in a public situation it was yeah it shouldn't have happened um but I think young women now would would speak up about situations in a way that I didn't so there are certainly advancements um I know my daughters I have two daughters so Mm -hmm. you know there's another great motivation they would certainly speak up I don't expect women to have to become feisty warriors. They shouldn't have to. They should be able to be who they are. They don't have to be, they shouldn't have to be on the defence. It just shouldn't bloody well happen in the first place. It's a lot of energy for women to be in that stance and yeah. be protective and, and also absorb as well so that you don't, like we don't like feel the impending explosion because we that's probably see it in the media what happens when women fight back yeah and that's the yeah. real fear for women is that yeah. there is we don't know who that is these yeah. people are, are great guys nice guys and it's instilled fear in us for the last 50 years yeah and they're just expecting us to go okay well now you can trust us and it's like no actually you need to work your way back into our trust system yeah yeah. Because and most women don't feel safe with men. Like even the men that they know, I think most of the women that I would associate with myself would, would say it could happen to me. They're very much expectant of it happening, if not to them, to someone they know or to their children. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and that's a lot of energy we have to put into prevention. Like, yeah. like so do I have to walk around feeling vulnerable every day or do I have to put on my puffed up chest? And, works and for me as well yeah if <laughs> <laughs> a bit of screw you never hurt anyone um <laughs> so I did want to say what what advice would you give that younger self or your your young daughters now uh in respect of that I have two young daughters so of course when we give our kids advice we're actually asking them to be a better version of ourselves back then <laughs> it's always don't do what I did uh or it's not, you don't actually say, don't do what I did. I think quite often we're speaking to ourselves when we talk with our children. Um, but i tell you what I did do. When I was 18, I wrote a letter to my future daughter, if I had one. So 18-year-old me wrote a letter to my 18-year-old daughter, and I sealed it. And I gave it to my daughter on her birthday. They both got the letter. So I can actually tell you what I wrote back then. (laughs) And it's fascinating. I can hear my 54-year-old voice in my 18-year-old voice. So so what I tell my kids, what what I tell me, I would say, and somebody actually taught me this recently, and I love it. I love it. I thought it was beautiful, and I've already said it to to my daughters. 
uh, when they've been stressing about the world and life, the universe and everything, I said, okay, if your life is a metre long, you are here and you put a marker at 20 centimetres and you say, you're here and you've got all this ahead of you and so much is going to happen in that time. Don't worry about that marker on the ruler so much. There's a lot ahead of you. And I just thought, of, I thought that was really quite beautiful. And um, it, it just gives you space to breathe. It's a very visual, mm. quick way of looking at life. I said, oh, I'm here. It's okay. That's not the make or break moment. I've got all of that behind me, but look at what I've, coming, I've got coming ahead of me. And I quite like um, that life can be a joy and a mystery. But, but having said that, I do know that if um, anyone is in a place that feels very hard at any particular moment, that may, that may not resonate. But it is quite a, it is, it kind of breaks the back of the moment a little bit. Yeah. I'd say, in, in another way of saying it, it's like, don't sweat it, you'll be okay. <laughs> but of course, every, every situation requires a different level of understanding and empathy. So, but for me, back to me, I'd go, oh, Linda, you're going to be fine. <laughs> That's what I'd say. Everything will be fine. One day you'll have a T-shirt with your own name on it. <laughs> oh, that sounds fabulous. Well, I just want to end on a bit of um, a positivity, of course, but what is it that other people say about you? I'm funny. <laughs> Who says that? I'm funny. Every time I try and make a joke after this, people go, you said you're funny. You're actually not funny. Um, outside of politics, um, I, I can make people laugh. And yeah. I, um, if somebody said to me, you know, if I wanted something written on my, my headstone, I'd say I would, I would be very, I would be thrilled if it said I made people laugh. Yeah. Um, and people also say that it's clear that I like people. And I think that's very, very important in this space that you don't come to a space thinking that you're going to save people from themselves is that you respect people. Like I don't have any savior complex here. I have a great belief in other people. So I think that's that's the nice thing that people say about me is that they, they say they can see that I like people and I can make them laugh. <laughs> Well, yes. Well, I will attest to that. I think you do. You hold the space for people to, you know, find their own way and respect that uh, very well. And that's what the research that I did has told me as well. So um, we thank you for that and for stepping up also into the leadership role. Uh, as a woman, you've got, you know, a little bit of a harder road, I think, um, than the men still. And I will be watching you very closely, but we wish you all the best for this upcoming election and, um, and hope you can just go out there and, you know, gather your herd and get the votes in so that we've got a great representative um, for the Hughes area. Thank you, Pip. Um, i tell you what, if I, uh, if I do get this, this role, I'll take it very, very seriously and I will um, put everything I've got into it. So, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk today. Thank you. Well, Thank you very much. I want to thank Linda for this insightful conversation and her commitment to serving the residents of Hughes. For more information about Linda's campaign, her policy commitments and the political promises that she's making, head to www.lindaseymour.com.au.
This has been a community project of the Sutherland Shire podcast staff.